podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Ciao! Ho, ho, ho! This is Santa Claus, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with those naughty boys, Joel and Matt. I truly hate them. Ha, ha, ho! Who invented Manischewitz? Jews. Broadcasting from the ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area. Can we get them to intro the show? They're doing it right now. I mean, specific <laughs> Jewish people? It is my pleasure to welcome you to episode 189 of, two eight, of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, December 10th. My name is Matt Baum. Why are you growling? I don't know. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not gargling Manischewitz and lighting the menorah, I'm writing the comic speculator blog for worthpoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at Joe Patrick 116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not rolling matzo balls and spinning the dreidel, I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> in this week's episode, you'll hear our drunken reviews of The Valiant Number 1 and Bitch Planet Number 1. After that, we'll review 10 more of this week's new comics faster than Ridley Scott can rewrite the Bible during the ludicrous speed round. Then... We'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Krampus is stopping by to talk about a couple of next week's comics. And finally, we're playing Ask a Nerd, where we will be playing Dear Abby for one listener who's having relationship problems with his favorite creator. So, I hope you've got a designated driver, folks, because you're listening to the annual Hanukkah Drunk Show, where Joey and I are going to clink our glasses. Bang! And do a shot every time I ask if we need something, and then we can talk about this week's Fake News! Sony has been in the news quite a bit lately, following a recent hacking by a mysterious group that saw unreleased films. I can't stop drooling. (laughs) It was North Korea, by the way. It's not not mysterious. Unreleased films spread onto torrent sites, private company emails leaked, and personal employee information stolen. What has been revealed in the wake of the attack is that Sony has been in ongoing talks with Marvel Studios over Marvel's use of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I really, my mouth won't stop watering. In upcoming films, specifically Captain America colon Civil War. Sony Pictures chief Amy Pascal was corresponding with various executives about the possibility of a crossover with Marvel and Disney. While various reports indicate that talks between the studios fell through, others indicate that hope may still be alive. It seems that one scenario saw Marvel producing a new trilogy of Spider-Man films with Sony retaining all of the creative control, marketing, and distribution. Which has gone really well so far. Yeah. The Wall Street Journal reported that the negotiation broke down, but Latino Review reported... The pinnacle of comics journalism. They really are. <laughs> of a different deal, a co-production where Marvel and Sony would split costs of Spider-Man films 60-40, which would allow Marvel to retain creative control over the franchise. The Latino Review report states that Marvel would seek a fresh start for the character, introducing him into the Marvel Cinematic Universe as an established hero with a new actor in the role. Ugh. Marvel would seek to distance the character from the romance-driven plots of the past, focusing on Spidey balancing his life as a teenager and his life as a superhero. The Latino Review story also indicates Marvel's desire for Sony to cease production of their amazing Spider-Man spinoff projects, including Sinister Six and, for reals, you guys, 
an Aunt May solo film. No. Which Are, is a real no, thing. No. No. I thought it was a joke. Oh it is not a God. joke. God. While negotiations may be stalled for now, it seems that all it will take for them to resume is for one of the studios to blink first. Matt Baum, of course, maintains his stance that this will never happen in a million billion years, despite the fact that we live in a corporate society where money dictates creative storytelling. Okay, look. You came on the record. You went on the record and said it will never Hear me happen. Out. Sony will never agree Stay to it. Stay in there. I'm staying right there. Here's the thing. The fact that they're talking about it, though. The, the good hacking people of North Korea gave us a glimpse into how a major movie studio Ugh. works. And it turns out it's racist and full on mentally retarded, apparently, if they're planning an Aunt May solo film. How but, is that racist? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the Barack Obama emails that were kicked around or whatever. Oh, I don't but remember. We're, we're not going to get into I that. I don't know what that is. Here's the thing. You, and I said this on Facebook, never underestimate the power of lawyers to ruin everything. That's there, true. There is no way. There is no way. I'm going on record again saying you will not see this. It's not going to happen. And there's no way they split these profits. You, that is not what movie studios did. This would be unprecedented. Sure. It's never happened before and it's not going to happen now. Now, what I think is really interesting... Has it never happened before? It's never happened before. Are you sure? Absolutely positive. Where two studios characters have been in the same feature? No. It's never happened. Mm. Never happened. Mm. What I think is interesting is seeing how the sausage is made with people panicking after a movie does not do as well as they thought it would. The Amazing Spider-Man, for example. It didn't tank. It made some money. But they were counting on the Amazing Spider-Man making like Avengers level money. And <laughs> it did not, mainly because it was terrible. And now they have a terrible movie that's supposed to set up two or three more Spider-Man films. They're in serious trouble and they're floundering. I'm saying, please, please give this back to Marvel Studios. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what the price tag is. Please give this back to Marvel Studios. It's, I don't want to see a split. I don't want to see them working together. I don't want to see a new actor in the Spider-Man costume. I don't blame Andrew Garfield. Garfield was not the problem. I don't I don't want to see a split either, but I think it's much more likely that Sony will cling to those rights with a death grip. Oh, they will. But partner with Marvel than it is that they will let them go. Despite the fact that the Spider-Man movies are a failure. Now, Wow, Joe Patrick got too drunk. I see where this is going. <laughs> I'm gonna lay this down. This is gonna be. Let's finish this on Sunday. <laughs> I'm gonna lay down. Um, Spider-Man remakes. Amazing Spider-Man Two was awful. It was terrible. It was, it was awful. Terrible. And Sony is hemorrhaging money all over the place. Yes. And all they need to do here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna call my shot. Sony hemorrhaging money with their movie licenses or products or whatever. Is going to say, how much do you want for Spider-Man? See, no, because them saying to Marvel, how much will you give me is a band-aid on a problem. But them saying, no, hey, let's I, partner in an ongoing basis. I disagree. And, and we will continue to benefit from Spider-Man is a longer term solution to I their problem. I disagree because Sony makes money on selling PS4. Sony makes money on selling Blu-ray players. Not enough. They're bro. not making money on their movies. And to say, you know what? We're getting out of this business and selling something that's worth a billion dollars. A billion. 
Like, if you look at the Spider-Man franchises, they have grossed more than a billion dollars. Disney paid more than that for Star Wars, and they're going to make their money. But They can write that check. But They can buy Spider-Man back. I understand. That's what happens. They're going to say, yeah, we want Spider-Man in Captain America 3, and in Avengers 3, and in Avengers 4. I'm sure they and do, and I'm this, sure they like this, that. And this, You know who's not going to do that? Marvel Studios and Disney. Absolutely, they will. No, they won't. You're kidding yourself. No, they won't. If Marvel wants Spider-Man in Captain America 3, you don't think they want him in all the other movies? They got Star Wars, Joe. They're that going, doesn't mean anything. They are going to get Spider-Man. In other film news, Commander Riker wants back aboard the Starship Enterprise in the wake of Roberto Orsi's departure from the third installment of the Star Trek reboot. Actor, director, and former number one, Jonathan Frakes. I would argue the sexiest man to ever step foot on the bridge has expressed his interest in returning to the franchise. Frakes is a veteran behind the camera, having numerous hours of television, including Star Trek episodes. And he directed what is arguably the best, and I might say only good installment of the next generation film franchise. Eh. Star Trek first contact. Frakes spoke. We with, watched it earlier. We did. Sp- Frakes spoke with KOMO news in Seattle saying, quote, I say, unabashedly, I'd be great at it, and I would love to do it. I'm trying to keep the lid on how excited I am about the possibility, knowing it's such a long shot. But there's nothing I would like better. Frake said that he's reached out to J.J. Abrams and that his agent is attempting to speak with the studio about the gig. He even incited his fans to take to social media, creating the hashtag, bring in Riker, as he seems to have a fair amount of support. Joe Patrick does Riker have your vote or even a chance? Okay. Yes, he has my vote. He has my vote, too. No, he doesn't have a chance. He has no chance whatsoever. <laughs> this, like, there's no way they give no. Jonathan Frakes Star Trek no. to me. One of the primary complaints about the J.J. Abrams reboot of the Star Trek franchise is that it doesn't feel like Star Trek. And I agree with this. I, I love them. I totally love I them. I do, too. But I They're agree. great action movies, but... They don't feel like Star Trek. No. If you go and you watch any other Star Trek episode or movie or whatever, there's something, even the worst Star Trek movies, even the worst ones still feel like Star Trek. Right. And I'm saying that if Jonathan Frakes came on board, he would be able to make that film feel like Star Trek again. And I long for that. But I think realistically, there's no. Let me pose this question. Is Star Trek broken? No, of course not. We love the first two no, movies. I'm saying, we loved it. I'm saying in the sense... No, I'm not talking about the remakes. I'm talking about is that feeling, that thing that you're looking for, that nerdy Star nah. Trek thing, no. that Trekkie feeling we need, can it not exist no, in modern no, no, no. Like, Hollywood? No way, man. Like Nothing is broken forever. I mean, we I, talk about this in comics all the time. No, and I hope not. If Jonathan Frakes got the job... Okay. Which do you think would have a better, a bigger impact on how many people go see the movie, the way they market it or the name attached to it? Absolutely. The way they market it. So if Paramount markets a new Star Trek movie, just in the same way they did the first two. No, I see you working here. I see you working. Does it really matter who directed it? Well, anymore, I would argue it doesn't matter who directs it as long as it's good. Right. And then it helps to have, the name of someone who we all know is good right. on a film, 
Absolutely. But if the film is good and the buzz is good and the reviews are good, it doesn't matter. We're going to I mean, go see it. We're arguing we're arguing something that I concede will probably never happen. No, it's never going to happen. But man, when when they talked about it, I couldn't help but get like a little hopeful oh, I'm there. I'm and there. a little teary-eyed at the prospect of And like, we watched First Contact just a, like a little while ago oh, where we were priming up for the drunk show. It was great. It's so good. It's a great movie. It's so good. It's the only good next generation film. Yeah, probably. It really is. I would like this to happen. I don't think it will happen. It's not going to happen. But it's fun to think about. It is fun to think about. That's kind of the bottom line. Moving along. Finally, Image Comics announced this week that Invincible number 118 will feature a major status quo shakeup for the series. To commemorate the occasion, Image will offer the issue for the paltry sum of 25 cents. Son of a bitch! (laughs) Invincible 118, which will be released on March 25th, will feature Invincible and his girlfriend, slash fiance Adam Eve leaving Earth with their newborn child what? and relocating to an alien world. Series artist Ryan Otley was the one that actually broke the news saying, quote, it's a huge change of life for these characters, so it'll be a new direction for all involved. Do that again again. <laughs> Stop it. So it'll be a new direction for all involved. I was kidding. Also, you, you nailed it, actually. Also new for me, since I get to design more aliens and alien worlds, which is always fun, end quote, Otley stated that the reason for the special price was to attract new readers, plain and simple. In fact, it even says so right on the cover, quote, we really want you to try this comic, comma, that's why it's only 25 cents, end quote. Issue 118 will also see the series adopt the same type of schedule that books like Saga follow, soliciting full story arcs, shipping each issue monthly, then taking a break to get ahead on the next storyline, ensuring it ships on time as well. Otley told Newsarama, quote, I don't think anyone wants fill-in writers or artists on this book, so this is the very best option, end quote. Matt, what do you think of this approach? We talked about bargain-priced issues recently. Do you think this will attract new readers? I don't know. Here's the thing. We constantly hear about people bitching about substitute writers and, and fill-in artists and stuff like that. Like, we, we, we hear that. And I understand it, and I agree with it. I'm also right there. And Invincible has done such a f***ing fantastic job of maintaining what they're doing. And this is, if this is the only way to maintain that, God bless them. Is it going to draw in new readers? I don't know. I hope it does. I really do. In my heart of hearts, I really hope it does. Because Invincible, far and away, one of the best superhero comics on the stands every month. There's no rules. It is the Superboy comic we've always wanted to read. That's what it is. For sure. Ryan Otley and Robert Kirkman have done an amazing job on this title. And it will be celebrated for years to come. And I do hope that this helps them and gets even more readers. Is it going to work? Well, here's the thing about bargain price issues. You can make a comic cheap all you want, but if it's kind of a a niche title, it's going to take a push from retailers and creators as well. And that's just what it is. It is a very niche title. Well, I mean, it's superhero, which people love, right? Right? But but, I mean, but But, it goes beyond that. It's image superhero, which is a whole thing in and of itself. Because when people think superhero, they think Marvel and DC. New readers, quote unquote, right? Right. May not necessarily understand the difference between them. Um, So I'm saying like, I I mean, yes, they won't recognize that invincible concept, but 
You can put a comic on the rack. You can have it be 25 cents. Marvel did it once. They made a comic nine cents with Fantastic Four, the first yeah. Mark Wade issue. Yeah. I think the only way that's going to actually attract and keep new fans is if retailers and creators get out there and interact with the audience. I say, totally agree. This book is amazing. Yes. This book is amazing. Put this in people's hands. This is a jumping on point. It's a quarter. Not to you mention- You can't afford not to buy it. Not to mention the fact that like the writer that you like and the artists that you write are guaranteed to be on this book every month. Right. And if it takes some time, fine. We just did a question of the week where we asked how much time is too long and everyone universally Most agreed- Most people, yeah. It does not matter. Right. It does not matter. The, like, I'll wait. The thing with gimmicks- that are set out to attract new readers, quote unquote, the mythical new reader, is that these new readers don't just spontaneously appear. Yeah, they're not, they're like, even unicorns. for cheap comics. You yeah. can say that a comic book is free and it won't necessarily move the needle, except for on like free comic book day. Right. I think it's awesome and I hope it succeeds. I do too. But retailers, creators, and fans of the book need to be the ones on the front line yes. saying, you need to read this book here. And you guys listening to this right now. It's a quarter. Go to your retailer, yell at them about this. Say, take this risk. Throw down a bunch of fucking quarters. Right. And buy this. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or everything you think we missed, hit us up on the THN forums where Joe Patrick and I have posted an apology. After the THN servers were hacked, presumably by Dr. Carlos Danger and his evil cohort, Doc Buzzard, and they leaked some internal private emails between Joe and I discussing our racially charged homoerotic Star Trek fan fiction. I assure you, taken completely out of context. Listen, Data is an android. There's no reason why he couldn't go both ways. I've had sex with tons of androids, so there's no way that I would. Every Sunday, the number one to my number two, Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the listeners this week? Collect yourself, man. Jesus. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> it's the drunk show. I love that strangely, like the drunk show is very similar to the sober show for Matt Bomb. <laughs> this week's question comes courtesy of Jason Sachs. He's at Jason Sachs on the Twitter. Maybe you've heard of him. What is the best comics related Christmas gift you've ever received? I love this. I have no I love idea. This. I, I'm going to cry while I talk about mine. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, December 19th. You better fact check that date because I do not know that that's accurate. It's correct. To get us your answer, you can call us and leave a message with your answer using Skype. The Skype handle is two at a nerd all one word. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> or you can call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894. That always works. You can also send an mp3 to twitternerd.gmail.com, but I don't care what you do. Whatever you do, keep it under three minutes, because we get a lot of f***ing callers. Yeah, don't be an asshole about and it. And we can't take all day listening to people give their answers. Yes. Keep it short, keep it concise. And no more sweet. racism. We got called out this week, Look, okay? First time, long time, I'm talking to you directly. You need to button that yeah, down. Yeah, my Asian peeps, they got yeah. pissed at me. Because I got... 
I got straight up karate chopped. That was unacceptable. <laughs> but we aired it anyway. <laughs> Even though we have all the power, we still chose to air it. You can also send an MP3 to twitter.gmail.com. Yeah, Did I say that already? Uh, maybe. Quite possible. Anyway, you can do that. If you need more than three minutes, you can write your full answer to your heart's content. At the THN Forums, there's a question of the week section. You can find it at thnforums.boards.net. At the aforementioned THN Forums. <laughs> It's review time on THN, where Matt and I get irresponsibly drunk and upset some hardworking creators <laughs> yeah, with our surly opinions. Matt, what did you review this week? Wow. I reviewed The Valiant, number one. What did you review this week? <laughs> From Valiant Comics, written by Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent, with art by Paolo and Joe Rivera. They're totally related, right? They're Joe Rivera is his dad. Oh, that is adorable. That is so cute. 32 pages. $3.99, quality you've come to expect from Valiant Comics. When I first heard that Lemire and Kent were coming to Valiant, I was excited to see them bring their cryptic and sometimes bizarre storytelling that I love from mind migment to still, a superhero universe. You still have beer. So, I was surprised when they both started writing fairly straight-ahead superhero action stories at Valiant. Everything I've read from the pair has been solid, don't get me wrong, but not as weird as I was hoping for. Here, the two writers are setting up a new, massive storyline for the Valiant U, featuring a team of both established and a couple new heroes. The <laughs> ever-living Eternal Warrior has been tasked with defending the Earth from an also-seemingly-eternal foe, but he can't do it alone. This time, with the help of the latest Geomancer, an unlikely mess of a woman named Kay McHenry, Bloodshot... Exo Manowar and his new MI6 handler, Neville Alcott, and of course, his drunk and also immortal brother, Armstrong. I know the feeling. The team will unite to once again face their dark, immortal foe. This book is being billed as a perfect jumping on point for new readers, and it does a very solid job of setting up a never-ending battle on several different ancient battlegrounds where Gilad, the Eternal Warrior, failed to defeat the immortal enemy. We meet Kay in a bar with a predictably drunk Armstrong laying out her neuroses, and we get a brief look at Bloodshot being a total badass in the South Pacific, and a little bit of Exo Man Award to boot. Both Riveras do an excellent job fleshing out each historic time frame and really get to flex their horror muscles on the immortal enemy who takes on a different form with each appearance, like Gozer the Gozerian. Beautiful coloring here. Choose also. the form of your destructor. <laughs> totally. Only your destructor will always split his skull and like. Yeah, that's <laughs> gross, dude. Valiant loads their books with extras as usual and gives readers some very interesting artist commentary by Paolo Rivera that shows the process of creating the book from initial layouts to final colors and inks, and it is very cool. As with any team crossover, though, there's a lot of setup here. But Kent and Lemire do a good job keeping the story moving without getting too bogged down in introductions and info dumps. But the story did leave me with one big question. The first 10 pages of the comic detail Galad losing the battle to the immortal enemy several times throughout history. And life seemed to continue 
with little or no repercussions whatsoever. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what it says. It says that every time he loses, an age of darkness follows. Like, things get real bad for the Earth for a really long time. But then everything seems to be okay. Well, eventually, but, <laughs> yeah. like, humanity is so basically like, in a real bad way. For a little while. For a long while. But then everything's okay again. So my question is... Relatively. What does it matter if he loses this time? It's, it's bad. Okay, it's bad. You don't want him to lose. You want him to win. Well, no, I want him to win, of course. Regardless, this is a good setup for what will undoubtedly be... Another great Valiant tie-in. I'm giving it a buy. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really cool. I haven't read Valiant Comics in quite a while. I'm Shame on you. Shame on you. Behind. I'm way behind. I thought this was awesome. It's a great point to just jump in. If you've never read it, it yeah. doesn't matter. There's recaps. You don't need to know anything going into it. It's really good. The art is amazing. It's beautiful. Paolo Absolutely Rivera. beautiful. Dude, Drew, Mark Wade's Daredevil. That shit is on point. Yeah, this is a beautiful book. Easily accessible. Yeah. Really fun. I'm giving it a huge buy it. I can't really think straight uh, to give it any other like very poignant uh, points, but I loved it. Joey, I'm cutting you off. I want you to tell me about Bitch Planet. <sighs> I'm not equipped to review Bitch Planet. <laughs> number one. All right. It, this is going to get a little bit rehearsed and I apologize. That's fine. I reviewed Bitch Planet number one from Image Comics, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, with art by Valentine Delandro, colors by Chris Peter. It's women in prison in space! Exclamation point! Girl gangs caged and enraged! Exclamation are you, point! Are you woman enough? Are you woman enough to survive Bitch Planet? <laughs> Bitch Planet was one of the most hyped titles announced at the Image Expo early this year. And the hype has only grown along with fan anticipation and expectation. DeConnick and Delandro deliver a solid first issue with a lot of less than subtle exploration of feminist themes, comma. But does it live up to the hype? Not really, says Joe Patrick. Really? All right. That All right. isn't to say okay. that I didn't enjoy the book. I really, really did. And it's apparent from the work itself and from interviews that the creator's hearts are in the right place. But when I finished reading this issue, I couldn't help but feel that Bitch Planet number one fell short of being the comic that would smash the patriarchy once and for all. To be fair, those are unfair expectations foisted upon the book by fans and the comics media but Taconic and Talandro do set out to explore some heavy themes here. The series takes place in a future world where women are judged by how they look and what they can do for men rather than by the content of their character. Every surface flashes with messages proclaiming that women are too fat or too ugly or too willful. It's really not all that different from society today. Not at all. Except that the quote-unquote non-compliant are shipped off to auxiliary compliance outpost aka bitch planet where the book stumbles is in the way that it spends the entire issue establishing the oppressive patriarchal setting but virtually no time establishing the characters living within it ladies and gentlemen we have just killed two bottles of manischewitz two bottles <laughs> <laughs> whoop, whoop. 
Blackberry and grape. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> a huge chunk of the issue is devoted to one character's story who, spoilers, not only turns out not to be the main protagonist, but is someone we'll more than likely never see in the series again. The other two lead characters, Kamal and Penny, are given little to do beyond get angry and start a prison riot. There's no reason to care about them or even to doubt that they belong on Bitch Planet. After all, it's a prison for violent criminals as well as the non-compliant, and we're given little indication one way or the other which one they are. Kamau attempts to protect one of her fellow inmates, and she demonstrates a knack for combat, but beyond that and her name, we aren't told anything about her. Nothing. The art by Valentine Delandro is spectacular. His layouts reminded me a lot of the style that David Aja has employed on Hawkeye. Absolutely. He gives us the gritty violence and nudity one would expect in this kind of grindhousey exploitation story, but it isn't glorified. Not at all. It's very orange is the new black where it's like there's a lot of people you don't necessarily want to see naked. Right. <laughs> the women aren't objectified and nothing about their situation is titillating. Chris Peter fills the backgrounds with hyper-saturated patterns of color, which reinforce the futuristic sci-fi setting. Really, the whole issue is beautifully designed from front to back. If I had one complaint, it would be that the backgrounds seem a little sparse throughout. But Peter's colors make each page feel complete, even if panels are light on detail, beeps bombs on the microphone. He has things to say about Bitch Planet. Oh, you don't want to hear him, though. He's a real misogynist. Yeah. <laughs> Hardcore Republican asshole. Beeps bomb. Get out of here. This book deserves a more thoughtful review than I'm giving it. Bitch Planet number one had a lot of expectations heaped upon it, and it doesn't meet them all. But it's headed in the right direction, and I trust the creators to take the series forward. Even though I thought it had flaws, and then it fell short in certain areas... I'm giving it a buy it. I disagree with you. In what way? I disagree with you in the sense that, look, I'm a pervert and I love the old caged heat movies, the escape from the bird cage movies and shit like that, that I love that stuff. And I feel like Kelly Sue DeConnick did her homework, captured that feeling and did a fantastic job putting it in comic book form. And like one of the things that they did in those old seventies movies was present you with a character that, you enter into the storyline with, and then they're instantly taken out of it, like to throw you off base. You know what I mean? And that's that's what they did here. And I was fine with it. I loved this book. I well, thought yeah. it was awesome. I liked it too. I thought it was realistic. I thought it applied perfectly to like that happens to women today. And this was just fun as hell, man. It was exploitative. It was ridiculous. It was violent, and it was everything I hoped it would be. I really enjoyed this. I loved the art. I can't help but feel that you missed the point of it, though. No, I, I don't know that I did. I mean, like, she took the birdcage, the caged heat 70s exploitation movie and sort of put it on its head, and that's what I liked about it. They, She kind of reinvented it, and I think it's innovative. I think it's daring. And I think it's different than anything that we've seen in comic book form at this point. I love this. I had a ton of fun with it. The second I stopped reading it, I instantly text you 
and I st- and I put in I have my Escape from the Birdcage like three DVD set. I put it in and started watching it. I was like, man, that comic book was awesome. <laughs> it was fun. This is Orange is the New Black in comic book format, and it was really, really well executed. I loved it. I'm giving it a huge buy. I gave it a buy it too. Weren't you listening? I know you did. I just disagree with the problems that you had with it. That's all. So that is a double buy it for both of these goddamn comics. The Valiant number one and Bitch Planet number one. Of course, we want to know what you immortal failures and naked bitches thought of these comics. (laughs) So after your community shower, split our skulls with your opinions over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoeditornerd.com. Joe Patrick is almost too drunk for the drunk show. (laughs) I'm having a difficult time. Matt Bomb? Operating as usual. <laughs> Look, I think if you listen to past drunk shows, you will find that this is the norm. It's Matt Bomb. It's obviously much more exposed we to tell alcohol he was than drunk. Joe Patrick. <laughs> Ridley Scott's new film, Exodus, Gods and Kings, opens this weekend, and critics don't seem to have much good to say about it. So... With a little help from our friend Rip Hunter, Joe and I decided to travel back to ancient Egypt to fact-check Scott's script. And man, were we shocked to find out just how off-base he was. Now we find ourselves on the run across the parted Red Sea, right behind a screaming Moses while Akhenaten and Ramatut <laughs> argue about who gets to behead the future men while we review ten more of this week's new comics during... Spider-Man and the X-Men number one from Marvel. A once great book has devolved into unironic portrayal of the white savior trope. What? But with jokes. So it's like The Last Samurai? (laughs) I wonder, I wonder if the creators realized that the X-Men were created as an allegory for race relations. I thought they were gay people. When they came up with a story about the human Spider-Man coming in to save the helpless mutants from all of their problems. Okay, I see you working. Okay. That's an exaggeration, of course. I'm just having fun. But drunk. the book isn't unfunny jokes, coupled with just okay art. I was expecting way more from Elliot Kalan, one of the writers of The Daily Show. The series didn't need to be relaunched. It needed to end with Wolverine's death. Leave it! It needed to end way before Wolverine. Harold! Colon, Lovecraft and Tesla, number one from Action Lab. Attention, Dynamite. This is how you do a historical character team up and do it well. Here we see Nikola Tesla seeking the help of H.P. Lovecraft after the engine he built for Amelia Earhart shunted her into another dimension yeah. during her famous transatlantic flight. Of course flight. it did. Oh, sure it did. Harry Houdini shows up here too, and he seems to have a demonic secret to his escape acts. This was fun, really well written, with solid art, and I am on board for a lot more of this. Giving it a huge buy it. We got a full-on puppy war going in the next room. Oh, I know. Guardians oh. of the Galaxy Annual, number one from Marvel! Brian M. Bendis and Frank Cho deliver... B.M. Bendis. Let's get it. Straight. I'm sorry. You're right. I forgot. <laughs> B.M. Bendis and Frank Cho deliver a solid annual. I love that so much. That can be read regardless of your knowledge of the series. Bendis does what Bendis does best. Ignore established history 
and characterization to suit his story. Oh, you're such an asshole. And it drives the continuity wonk in me bonkers. That's a term I learned from Keith Silva. Okay. But I'd be lying if I didn't admit that I really liked it. I used to think Cho... I used to think Cho was a bad fit for superhero action, but he's really upped his game here. Buy it. It was great. Okay. Lady Demon, number one from Dynamite. I do it because Joe Patrick won't, other than hair color. (laughs) Other than hair color and the lack of wings. The differences between Purgatory and Lady Demon were completely lost on me. Both seem to inhabit the senselessly evil world where men are indiscriminate murderers and rapists for the sake of plot development, but Lady Demon inhabits the body of a waif southern blonde in Daisy Dukes until she's murdered and grows horns and changes into her panties and torn up shirt. From there, it's senseless revenge and flashbacks to Lady Demon's time in hell where, like Purgatory, she used to rule something and demons talk like jerks working at the DMV. This is more chaos comic booking in true chaos fashion and the perfect comic for people who like panties but not nudity. I'm giving this a leave it. Panties are a sure sign of evil. Okay. Joe Patrick, tell me about the private eye number nine for panel syndicate. <laughs> Brian K. Period Vaughn and Marcos Martins amazing creator own series rockets toward its conclusion. There's only one issue to go. If you haven't checked out this Pay What You Want series, you absolutely owe it to yourself. It's beautiful. To give it a try. Intense future noir with gorgeous art. Buy it! Savage Dragon number 200 from Image. I haven't checked in with Savage Dragon for quite some time, but last I remember, it wasn't a sex comedy. He likes to get down. I'm not trying to sound prude here, but there's a scene where the son of the dragon has a threesome with his Asian girlfriend and stepsister, complete with comments about the size of the dragon junior's hog. He likes to get down. What? He likes to get down. Eric Larson. So get on your feet and jump around. I guess the fun and wackiness of this title is still here, but what's with all the softcore porn? Xenoscope books handle sexuality better than this. I can only give this a skim it. I would also argue that Eric Larson's art has gone down. I think he's maybe just adopted a different style. I think he's gotten lazy. Eternal number one from Boom! This was a fun sci-fi story about the nature of death when everyone can live forever. What extremes will people go to when they aren't allowed to die? I don't know that I care about anyone in this book just yet, but I thought this was an interesting premise, and I'll be back for more. It's a strong skimming. I liked it. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, strong skimming. Oh, boy. Avengers versus mm, X-Men. Axis number seven from Marvel. What a train wreck this uh, is. The Axis train continues to tip and careen around corners, seeming like it could fly off the tracks at any time. This week's latest development, spoiler alert, Magneto ain't the Scarlet Witch's daddy and may or may not be Quicksilver's. This event is just a plot-driven mess and cannot seem to decide if he wants to be serious or not. Good art by Adam Kubert and Jimmy Chung, but if you can't get good art for an event book, you're just doing it wrong. I can only give this a skim it. It is a borderline leave it. It's really, really a mess. 
Southern Dog, number four from Action. That doesn't sound like a skimmit to me. It's a skimmit. Because it was still kind of fun. Okay. The Werewolf Fights Racism miniseries that started strong <laughs> comes to a very abrupt finish. Which the only werewolf stories that I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, right. So sudden, in fact, that I have to wonder if the creators were expecting to have more time to finish the series. Still, Alex Diotto does a great job on art. He is good. I do like him. It's just that this series really needed at least one more issue to wrap everything up. Or maybe two. It's not bad. It just feels rushed. Skim it. FBP Federal Bureau of Physics number 16 from DC slash Vertigo. Pay attention, guys. All the problems Joe and I have with the new DCU have not affected the Vertigo universe whatsoever. Alberto Ponticelli comes on as a new series artist for this new story arc. FBP is highbrow, physics-driven sci-fi, and it is great. If you're looking for intelligent sci-fi starring believable people, not superheroes, with excellent art, look no further. This book is wonderful. I am giving it a bite. That is your ludicrous speed round, and quack is the sound made by a trans-dimensional scorpion with a squid face. As seen in Harold, Lovecraft, and Tesla, I'm not doing it justice by explaining it like that. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I feel like we should put a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode saying that we're not doing anything justice. We, we did that when we explained it was the drunk show. Okay. It's Hanukkah and the Ziggurat. So Matt and I have prepared a roasted chicken feast complete with dumplings, potato pancakes, and Szechuan pork because every good Jew knows that pork is only kosher when it's Chinese food. True. I feel like that was racist, but I said it anyway. It's true. Because Matt Bomb would not leave me out to dry like that. Our buddy Krampus joins us in the Sanctum Sanctorum for the first of many Hanukkah feasts, and he's just dying. To talk about next week's comics, Matt, pass the sour cream and tell the nerds what you're excited to read next week. I am excited for Multiversity Thunderworld, number one from DC, written by Grant Morrison with art by Cameron Stewart. Here's your solicit. The fifth chapter of the greatest adventure in DC Comics history is here! Exclamation point! Acclaimed for their collaborations on Batman and Robin, Sea Guy... And seven soldiers of victory. <laughs> Superstar writer Grant Morrison and renowned artist Cameron Stewart deliver some magic to the multiversity with the breathtaking journey to Earth 5, a.k.a. Thunderworld! With a single world, yes! with a single word, Billy Batson transforms from boy reporter for Wiz Media into the world's mightiest mortal Captain Marvel, along with the other members of the Marvel family, Captain Marvel battles dastardly villains like Mr. Mind and the Monster Society of Evil. But now his greatest foe has attacked the Rock of Eternity, the source of the Marvel family's power, and it could mean the end of reality as we know it! Exclamation point! What impossible villains are Savannah teaming up with who could spell doom for the multiverse? From where did Savannah's children get their newfound superpowers? And what does the appearance 
of one mysterious comic book mean for the heroes of Thunderworld. Find out all that and more in this exciting issue that acts as chapter five of The Multiversity! You got way more sinister there. I know. If anyone can make Captain Marvel f***ing awesome, I am trusting Grant Morrison to do so. I love Captain Marvel as a character. He's been so mishandled for so long. And I honestly think this is going to be a ton of fun. And Cameron Stewart, that guy is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be kick-ass. Joe Patrick, what is your pick for next week? My pick for next week is Rumble number one from Image Comics. It looks so cool. (laughs) Written by John Arcudi with art by James Heron. Solicit! Okay. I don't think I was in all caps. <laughs> so a scarecrow walks into a bar and proceeds to wreak havoc across two worlds. Two of them. I don't even know what that means. After a long absence, Rathrak. Scarecrow warrior got his back and very unhappy. Bad news for his old enemies. Yes. But worse news for everybody else. John R. Cutie. No, it's in all caps. John R. Cutie! There you go. And James Herron! There you go. Bring you a modern day action slash adventure fantasy thriller where rundown dive bars, undead kitty cats, psycho, skinheads, and giant mummies all play a part. I dated every single one of those. <laughs> it's Louis C.K. meets Robert E. Howard. In a David Fincher universe. I don't know. Like, I don't know what else you would have to say. What? To get me to buy this. What <laughs> more do you want? I am so into this. Jesus. I love James Heron. I love John Arcudi. I love James They do Heron. amazing work on the BPRD books. This is a creator-owned thing. It's their own thing. Not Mike Mignola's thing. I'm super into it. I want to know what it's all about. I'm down for this. It's my pick. The THN trade of the week. I'm reading it. I don't care if it's my turn or not. It is your turn. Goes to Star Trek The New Adventures Volume 1 from IDW, written by Mike Johnson, with art by Stephen Molnar. Who sounds like a Klingon. As well as other peeps. I think that like Mike Messina's in there. There's, a There's other guys. Bunch of people in here. Tim Bradstreet does the covers, and they've never looked more trace. So good. No, they're bad. No, they're good. But that's okay. You're wrong. You're just wrong. Here's your solicit. The adventures of the Starship Enterprise continue in this set of stories that take place between the first and second movies, featuring the new cast of the film. These issues feature reimagined stories from the original TV series, like Trouble with Tribbles, in an alternate timeline, as well as brand new missions, all with creative collaboration with Star Trek writer-slash-producer Roberto Orsi. Look... We won't shut up about how great IDW Star Trek series is. This is your chance to pick up the first dozen issues in a slick 300-page collection for just 30 bucks. I can't do the math, but I think that's one cent a page. What the f*** is wrong with you? <laughs> just do it, goddammit. When you're done collecting your gelt and lighting the menorah, let us know what you're excited to read next week over at the THN forums. There are other Jewish terms there that I don't fully understand because I am a Gentile. (laughs) When those 80s beats start kicking, it means it's time to play the new and improved Ask a Nerd. Today, we're helping one sad and confused comic nerd stuck in the middle of a rocky relationship 
with <laughs> one of his favorite creators. If that doesn't suit to a T, I don't know what does. We're not naming Oh, we're not? No. Confused in Lawrence writes, Dear Two-Headed Advice Column, I have a problem. I love Jonathan Hickman, but I'm not in love with him. You know, in theory, I like intelligent comic books with contemporary sensibilities and witty dialogue. I loved, loved, loved Nightly News and been theoretically on board ever since. However, somehow our relationship soured. I bought Fantastic Four and I think I was more excited for what it could have been than ultimately what it was. Transhuman, Red Mask for Mars, Manhattan Projects, and God is Dead. All meh. I wanted to like them all, and I feel like they spun out in self-importance or too high-concept territory, which is exactly how I would describe the trajectory of what's going on in Avengers right now. I've read all of his books, and I just lose track of them or are ultimately disappointed by how they dot, 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 you know dot 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 finish is this on me am i in love with the past that never existed again am i in love with the idea of the man more than the man himself and then there's some weird internet speak that says p l z h a l p please help (laughs) i don't know what that means signed confused and probably a little gay in lord we weren't gonna say that part this This is a tough one because Jonathan Hickman has become a polarizing figure in comics. There are those of us that love what Jonathan Hickman is doing in the Avengers. Yes. And those of us that go, this does not feel like an Avengers comic. I'm going to say this right now. Go ahead. I'm going to stop you. Go ahead. I'm going to say this right now. Say it. We are probably not going to be able to do justice to this question. No. I feel like because we're drunk. We're really going to cut to the core of this. We're really going to get into this. <laughs> we're going to get way deeper into right, this than right, we could right, if we were sober. All right. All right. All right. Uh, all right. Um, I kind of understand where he's coming from. I really do. I get it. I get it. I don't know that I agree, but I understand. I don't necessarily agree. I, like some of those books that he named, I really enjoyed. I come down squarely on the side of I love Jonathan Hickman. I did too. And I, I'd go far as to say that of his creator-owned works, his standalone creator-owned works, Transhuman is probably one of my favorites. Oh, it's amazing. I love Transhuman. And you know what? I loved Red Mask from Mars. I even really liked The Red Wing, which a lot of people felt ended way too abruptly. And I agree. And you know what I could have gone a little further. Secret. I thought Secret was awesome. Secret is amazing. Okay, now, we're just on a Jonathan Hickman love fest. To Aura's point, I understand. I understand where he's coming from. I do too. And I understand how the way Hickman is currently uh, choosing to tell his story, the long form might turn off some readers. Sure. And I can only, I, I can also understand how the eventual payoff that Hickman gets to might not be satisfying for some people. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's go into his fantastic four. Let's do that because he says he was not happy with his fantastic four. I would thought it was meh. I would argue that Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four, the story that he told, and the way that he ended it, and honestly, in a perfect world, if Marvel wasn't in some weirdness with the Fantastic Four and where they are with another company and something like that, I feel like Jonathan Hickman is still writing that book. I loved, loved his Fantastic Four. 
I loved where it went, and you cannot tell me that final issue went into the future, and we saw Ben Grimm like two thousand years from now still alive. Was that the final issue? Yes, that was incredible. I did. That was tear jerking. That was wonderful stuff. I loved Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. Loved it. I also loved Jonathan Hickman. Hick. I loved his Fantastic Four <laughs> more than I love his Avengers. Oh, totally agree. Absolutely. Totally agree. Now, I would argue can- that what Jonathan Hickman does best is better suited for the Fantastic Four than it is for the Avengers. That said, drink, I don't hate his Avengers. I don't hate it either, and I think that it will ultimately pay off, but I do agree that there's not as much necessarily to latch onto in his current run of Avengers as there was in his run on Fantastic Four. You would, I would because Fantas- bet that, that Joe Patrick was reading that, but he was not. That just came right out of it. Yeah, that's right, because I'm staring at the apple on the back of your laptop, <laughs> and it's helping me focus. I'm that's like good. tracing my finger around the apple, and it's really helping Man, me. I want to do hard drugs with you sometime and see what it happens. It's not going to happen. You should just, Matt Baum can still focus through hard drugs. You should just be happy that we get to do the drunk show that's and, true. That's and true. be good with it. Uh, I just want you to come on that journey with me. <laughs> Listen, we're friends. We don't. Like, we're gonna do it. I don't. We're have gonna push to drugs pr- up our butt, and we're just gonna see what happens. We don't have anything to prove. Like our butt friendship drugs. Has stood butt the- drugs. <laughs> our friendship has stood the test of time. Prove your friendship and do <laughs> butt drugs with me. <laughs> I don't have to prove anything to you. Ah, <sighs> uh, butt drugs. So anyway, Ooh. Um, I think Fantastic Four had the hook of family. Butt drugs. That. <laughs> Sorry. Was uh. <laughs> Really compelling and really easy to latch onto. Yes. The concept of uh, the Avengers, the book that, uh, the Avengers book that's going on right now, I love it. I, I do think too. it's awesome. I think it's great. I think the story that is, uh, that Hickman is telling is really wonderful, but it's not very personal because yeah. that's the nature of the Avengers. Well, okay. I agree with that. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. And I also think that. He is working in a much deeper well. Like working in the Fantastic Four, there, there's pretty much four characters you can focus on and there's some other characters you can bring in and whatnot. But the Avengers, you're talking about, what, a hundred characters? Yes, but I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to say that the number of characters doesn't necessarily translate to depth. No, I agree. I agree with that. Like you that. can have a million characters and ha- and have it all be surface. No, absolutely. And right now, I think that it's very easy to dismiss his current run of Avengers as being very surface level. Okay, this may be where Jonathan Hickman falls down. Sure. You know, like because like we uh, last week we talked about Kurt Busiek's avengers mm-hmm. and, and he really took the avengers team and made it very personable brought it back to something that we missed from the 80s and made it very personable but when he did that he did so with only a couple of characters no, that's true because his that's run true. was longer yes he could do shorter more personal stories but right. hickman is doing one long yes epic story as opposed to multiple Small stories, which yeah. is what Busiek did. Hickman is moving the chess pieces, whereas Busiek was writing a much more personal story. 
Yeah, and so I and understand. that's where the Avengers get lost. And I and I can see how people are like that want to read a Cap story or want to read cannot remember a any night mask record. story, a night mask story, <laughs> a story about Sunspot and Cannonball. <laughs> yeah, like they can get a little lost in the wheels within wheels that Jonathan Hickman wheels presents. within wheels. That's exactly how he phrases it. Yes, we get kind of we get a lot of. Sh- for saying the phrase it's not for everyone right but that statement does apply to certain books yes and if that's not what you're looking for when it comes to the avengers that's okay and aura's not just asking about the Avengers. no he's saying all his stuff hickman does long-term broad stories with large casts absolutely and if that's not really your thing then maybe Hickman's not the writer for you. Yeah, maybe. And that's okay. That's totally okay. You can break up with him. There's other fish in the sea. There's plenty of other guys you can date. It doesn't mean he's not a talented writer. No, it, it, it just it, means that you don't care for his particular style right of storytelling. For you, and that's okay. He's not Booyah. doing it. He's not doing it for you under the sheets, and that's okay. Confused in Lawrence, thank you for your question. I feel like I said about a thousand times. <laughs> I don't think we answered you in any way. <laughs> Other than just say that you're wrong and we like his Avengers. We're and wrong we like and you're also Corps. right. Just because everyone... Take your hands off the microphone. Just because everyone else thinks something's awesome doesn't mean, it you doesn't mean you're wrong for not no. liking it. No. You're out there right now. You know who you are. This statement applies to you. And we accept you for being an idiot and being totally wrong. See? And that... <laughs> I want you to know that that is a joke. It's okay for you I to feel a certain words. way. It's okay for you for you to feel a certain way about something. That's you true. do not have to fall That's in with true. the crowd. And you're welcome That's here. What two headed nerd? Comics is all about Absolutely. different different tastes for different people. Wrong. Gary Coleman. Like this. Different strokes. That's exactly what I was going to. That's. I was just going to bring it up. <laughs> Gary Coleman said it best. R.I.P. Break it, break it down like this. Boom. Done. And that is it for episode 189 of THN, our annual Hanukkah drunk show. And if you think alcohol abuse is a funny joke, and maybe everyone else is the one with the fucking problem, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn where we are, will pay you for your star ratings, reviews, no, no, thumbs no, up, no, no. our hearts. Because Untrue. it helps us to connect with our other professional listeners. Don't listen to him. We have money and we will get we it don't, to you. We don't have, the thing is we don't have money. We have so much money. Thank you for giving us your money, you idiots. <laughs> Speaking of money, <laughs> thank you to all of our donors. If you want to keep us in fortified wine... And tequila shots. We didn't do tequila shots. We did wine uh, rum shots. We're about to do tequila shots. No, we are not. <laughs> you can do so by clicking our soused PayPal button. That thing is ruined. At twoheadednerd.com. It's throwing up everywhere. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation monthly box. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring, if you're interested in sponsoring this irresponsible podcast, frankly, I don't know how anyone can listen to this and not be offended. Please shoot us an email at twitternerd at gmail.com with the subject line sponsorship. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and 
the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Using the list of resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read. You can hit us with your Ask a Nerd question or trivia, or defend your questionable nerd taste in front of the two-headed judge for our Defender segment. Or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, finger-painted in your own puke, whatever. And don't forget to go sign up for the THN forum. That's about to happen later. <laughs> this is your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, get wasted and tweet about Batman Returns, or just rap about comics. We did that. That happened. We did that. Remember to follow us on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the Answer of the Week podcast. But if you need more THN in your life right now, get over to TwitterNerd.com and check out you guys. I'm not kidding. There's more can- content on TwitterNerd.com this week than there has ever Ben, the new Nerd TV. It is awesome. By uh, it's awesome. Jim Stafford. It's so good. A new Girl Meets Nerd by Casey Baum. There will be very soon. I have his draft. A new column by Charlie Tron. Alan Alan Myers. Alan Myers of Comics Therapy. (laughs) Aaron Myers is just blabbering about the usual stuff. Tony Mathers does his Saturday morning cartoons, Ever Faithful. So good. So much content, you guys. Like, literally, something for every day of the week. It's true. It's true. Why would you go anywhere else next week? I don't know. The comic pushers are back! Dealing highly addictive comics to the impressionable youth of the internet. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Mrs. Jackson, Joe's high school geometry teacher, who is on her way to godless Hollywood, California to appear as a contestant on Geo Party. Jeopardy! Pardon me, Jeopardy. This is Jeopardy! Word to you, Miss Martha Jackson. Go whip some nerd ass and until next week. Go, Mrs. J, go! True believers, remember to pre-order your comics. You seriously save your local comic shop every time you do so they need to know what you want do this get in your previews pick what looks cool and pre-order that shit. they just might butt you for doing no nope, so. don't say that this is the two-headed nerd entirely drunk and irresponsible on this fucking hanukkah signing off